In this episode, I'm with a singer, songwriter, and producer whose sound I have loved over the last 13 years. Starting off in grime in the late 2000s, we talk about the evolution of his sound, the influence behind his music, the downsides of his ego and where that's led him, and about the music industry. This guy is one of my personal favorites when it comes to production. I am genuinely excited to give you insight into how he creates. So, it's my pleasure to have this conversation with Jordan James. Jordan James, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. What's good, what's good, what's good? What's good, man? I'm very I'm well. Good. How are you? <laughs> very well, man. I, we're already laughing because uh, I guess we've been talking for the past 10 minutes and realizing how cruel this game is. Yeah, no, 100%, man, 100%. Otherwise, we're going to sit here crying. No, 100%, bro, bro. How long have you been making music? <laughs> I have to laugh because you know what? You're funny you ask me that because... I, I I actually worked out yesterday. I was like, I've been actually making music just to make music for about, I'd say, 15 years, you know? Right. Why did you... Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long time. That makes you very long time. 13 when you started, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But before before being 13, I wouldn't... Okay, I'd say, say 13 was the real age that I started, but I kind of got myself into music... Through, my mum bought me this EJ CD or DEJ and it was just like adding loops on top of loops and I was bored in my house. We had a really shitty computer. Me and my brother used to share it in a one-bedroom flat. My mum bought me EJ because she was just like, you like music? I work in a record label. Da-da-da. Here's this boom. And from there, I found out my after-school club that I went to from... Um, this is in primary school days, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, after-school club, they had the same software and I'd be in the computer just adding loops onto loops. And these are like pre-made, like, these had like pre-made melodies, pre-made beat and drum loops, pre-made. Everything was just pre-made. So it was just like, you make your own track, you take what you get from the loops that they have and you just build a beat from it. You couldn't export it as an MP3 and you couldn't, you couldn't export it. You could just only save the session. So a lot of time I would just go to um, after school club as a primary school kid, you know, make these beats, go home. But anyways, Transitioning into secondary school, I met this boy. Um, I think his rigid, I think his, I can't, please forgive me if I forget this name, but I think his name was Tom Field and he, his name, he's, he had a producer name called Snugs. Never forget this. He was a year above me, really nerdy white boy. Um, he was friends with someone in my year and I, he was just like, everyone, at the time, this was like the transition of grime slowly, like, Reaping yeah, into yeah, the school yeah. playgrounds when you know you had the you had the remember the um the Nokia phone remember the, the like it was looked like a it was like a battery pack it was like that ra- it was like a squarish the best way I find to describe this time is that back then when we, you, you had to send tunes via infrared yeah. oh, thank you thank you thank <laughs> this this this, this, <laughs> this showcases this showcases how old we are yeah. <laughs> the fact that this was before Bluetooth we was infrared you move your phone too far away and, and people tunes. get vexed. Yeah, man, hundred <laughs> percent. Do you remember the um, remember the the white and orange Sony Ericsson phone? Yeah, the W eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't even know the, what it, where it was, but yeah, yeah that phone that, that was that like the out. classic. Like, see, see, you see, you know. So that that's how that's how I transitioned into that, and then f- 
from meeting Tom, Tom was like, yo, yeah, make beats, yeah, there's this thing called FL Studio. No, at the time it was Fruit Loops. It's like, yeah, man, mm. just jump on Fruit, I'll give you Fruit Loops. I was like, what the fuck is Fruity Loops? Fruity <laughs> Loops. And I remember I got, I got Fruity Loops, I think it was Fruity Loops, five or six at the time? I can't remember, what, I can't remember what Fruity Loops, but it was a very old version of Fruity Loops. I remember downloading the demo and I was just, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I was like, what? Excuse my language. What <laughs> yeah, is this? Yeah, like, yeah. I went from I went from I went from top premium loop loop artist, loop producer, to I actually got to make something from scratch now. I was like, yeah, but I was like, I was like, this was amazing. It's amazing. I was like, wow, what the hell is this ugly? So did you sample to begin with? Um, no. So so when I actually started producing, no, I didn't sample at all. I was literally just like, what is this? Um Obviously, grime came out, so it was like, what's the coolest genre at the time as a child? It was grime. So I was like, okay, I've got this guy in my school who's like the top producer. There's no one else producing beats in school at the time. Got you. Let me just master. Let me just let me just master this. Like, what have I what have I got to gain? Like, I'm not the I I I wasn't the I wasn't let's just say okay I was I was okay I I say at the time I was quite naughty as a child. I wasn't naughty as in like. I'll go and mess around and start beating up people. But it was like, I used to be the guy that used to like, if if someone was bullying a, someone, I would be the person to bully the bully. Do you get what I'm saying? I was that kid. So to yeah, take yeah, me away yeah. from that kind of like, I just said music. Okay, cool. My mom said, right, you focus on this, music, that's it. So over time, I just developed production skills and, you know, MSN came in, MSN was there, you know, everyone was on MSN. <laughs> you start sending your yeah. stuff around. And was like, oh, this is all right. This is all right. And then I had friends, I had close friends that I didn't even know that were making beats on the side. No one told me. So I, over the time, we was just like sending each other like little beats and stuff like that. So yeah, and then MySpace, I'm, I'm actually skimming over this whole timeline, but I'm going to break it down over this, this podcast. But how I started, that's how I started really. So do you, just but on yeah. everything that you've said in that you've developed these skills in production, do you feel like what you have is... Talent or skill? Um, when I was younger, I used to confuse it as talent. But as I'm as I'm a grown ass man now, I don't look at it as a talent. I don't think it's weird how I'm gonna okay. Being okay, you can have like being talent is like okay, learning how to dance. I think my talent came from dancing. I used to dance before I used to do any music production. I think dancing helped me understand BPMs. Um, pockets within beats, um, just how, just rhythm really, just like, just free flow rhythm. Like because I could dance, when I stepped into music, it just, it just naturally made sense. But I'm not classically trained in any instrument. Um, I don't. I'm not really. Right. I'm people not, mis- mis- people misunderstand how much you have to understand music before you even try and make music. Yeah, no. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I think my upbringing as a child. And because of the music that I was listening to as a kid, it wasn't the generic music that most kids listen to when they're growing up. Right. I grew up listening to Prince and Michael Jackson. My dad and my mom were heavy Prince fans. They met at a Prince concert. That's how that's how the journey wow. of my my existence has started. Do you get it? So it's like <laughs> yeah. I came from my ears. My ears were trained from the beginning of time. It's like my mind is trying to catch up to what I've been hearing for the longest. So. I'm at a stage now for me personally where I'm trying to reach to what I heard as a child. And it's that process is a is a life, it's a life, lifelong process. 
So when I tell people make it, what like, did you hear as a I child? I want to get into music. I'm saying, bro, bro. I heard first the first deep song I ever heard growing up was Purple Rain. Imagine being four years old and you hear Purple Rain. I don't know if you've ever heard Purple Rain, but if you go yeah, listen to Purple Rain, you understand <laughs> the depth of Purple Rain. Even that song, and that's a ballad, and that's a that's like that's one of the best one of the best ballads in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? So, to even to step into that, and then my that my mum um, working in Universal Records, just doing admin work, and her bringing CDs home every other week. That also added to where I'm at now. So yeah, but yeah. When you say you heard Purple Rain, and now that you're. Tr- or you heard that kind of music and you are trying to now get to a point where you can make that kind of music. What is it? That, are you trying to make hits? Are you trying to make memorable music? Is it the feeling that that gave you? Like, what is it that you're trying to recreate? I think because I didn't get the opportunity as a child to learn an instrument and because I, I've, I'm someone that I obsess over things in it. So if I like something, so if I like something, I will just want to be involved in it from zero to a hundred. And I felt I felt like listening to artists like Prince, Michael Jackson, growing up to Sade, people like that. It set a benchmark mm. for me to reach from a child. So me wanting to reach that at fifteen, making music, did it in my head? It made sense, but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't come out. <laughs> it didn't come out in what I was making. It was just like, okay, this is the goal I'm trying to reach, but it's not. It's not coming to fruition yet because I was. I was. I was a baby. Like my mind wasn't matured yet. I wasn't. I wasn't ready yet. So I'm also trying. And because of, because of what I was listening to, it's that feeling that I used to get. I used to be a massive MJ fan. I like I used to dance, so like MJ was like the goat to me. Like I used to moonwalk around the kitchen, everything. So like even to that musical, the musicality in that in itself, I was trying to. I've been trying to reach that. Like even the fact that like to hear Thriller, listen to Thriller album, yeah. I don't, I think it's like ten song album. Everyone knows about Thriller, but just the way it's been composed, the way it's been mixed, the writing, everything. Mm. I'm trying to reach that. That that I don't even care about hits. It's just that 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 um, how can I say? It, it leaves like a special like that kind of body. You can hear you can hear the hard work in it. Let's just put it like that. You can hear how much effort yeah. and hard work's been put into the album. That's why it's timeless. I'm based. I'm just trying to make timeless music. I don't even care about hits. I really don't. I really don't. I'm a t- I want. I just want things to be timeless. So when I hit like I don't know seventy years old or I don't know old and I'm an old man. That out people can say that's still a classic album or that's still a classic song. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I think I'm just trying to outdo myself as a human being instead of just trying to reach the goal of, oh yeah, let's make a hit. Or when I was 15 and I was, you know, and I was working with Sam, like me and Sam for me was like, was like the best thing ever happened. Was the best thing. And he does, I never tell him this because I like, he, <laughs> he's got egos. As men, we got egos. But I'm telling you, Sam, me and Sam, Changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I will, I, I will always, I will always, I will always send my roses to Sam because Sam set a, set a standard of how to work <laughs> as a producer. God damn. <laughs> like, oh, man. It's, it's the one thing I remember about him as well. Like, he, I wasn't, at the time, I didn't, I only knew him, like, through third party. But everyone was talking about that man's work rate. Like, just how focused he's been on music is numbing. Like, even recently, just putting out... Like, we both know how hard it is to s- siphon away time 
to make an entire album and this man just spits them out and I'm like ow where bro 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 I'm telling you Sam has the best work rate than anyone on this planet you're gonna have to talk about I don't care what anyone says man of sheer will no literally no I'm telling you bro I don't listen from from the time I'm, I don't even, I can't even remember how we met. We just met. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how we met. We just met. But the, the, from the time I was 14 up to now, this man, I'm not I'm going to say boy because he was a boy, but this man right now, I don't care what anyone says, he has the best workflow, work rate, anyone I know in the industry. This guy used to make 100, 100 beats a week. Like meeting, that's what I say, meeting Sam was a blessing mm. because... yeah. Even though he looked at me as the better producer or the better beat maker, because we had roles as a team, I'll, we'll, I'll get into that yeah, deep yeah, into, yeah. into this conversation. But he looked at me as the better producer, but I always looked to Sam as like the goat because of the fact that he just had his shit together. Like, come in, come imagine like you're you're like okay, you're fourteen, you're obviously you're school whatever, and then. You're, you're, you're getting your free Oyster card. You're getting your free Oyster card. I don't live in where you guys live. I lived... I come from I come from South London, innit? Yeah. So imagine coming from South London every weekend... Oh, wow. ...to meet... You know what I'm saying? That's the dedication I had because I was so fascinated by this boy's workflow. So imagine coming from South London all the way to like... Uh, I can't, was it East Coast? Harrow yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Harrow. Let's one way or another, Harrow, you're Harrow, meeting Harrow, Junction on the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm saying. So it's like that... Imagine that, and then you go into the house, and you're like, "Oh, okay, he's on his laptop, he's on his computer, whatever, in the corner." And then you're like, "Yeah, my dad's got a studio in the in the in the in the, in the garage." I'm like, "What? What's that? Yeah, I got a studio in the garage." And you're like, at fourteen, fifteen, you're like, "Studio? What's that? I'm just making beats on my kid." And you just stepped into this whole world, and it's like, "Okay, so this is what making music is." All right, I'm ready. So that became an obsession. So I was there every weekend, every weekend, without a doubt. You enjoyed I was the a very process shy of making the parents a record. Knew. Yeah, man, the process was amazing. The process was amazing, bro. It was so amazing. But yeah, no, it was just... Yeah, man, Sam is, Sam is the GOAT. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> even, even, even we could be yeah. 90 years old. Sam is the GOAT. No, one's, no one, no one to this day can work harder than Sam. No one, not even me. I'm the most... Like, out of the two, I'm lazy compared to him. <laughs> I think we all lazy. are. Lazy. So you you spoke about like the process of making music and that you had a role in the team. Like I've known you very much as a producer and a vocalist and at times a much heavier producer than vocalist. I think that I only really began to know your name a few years after I heard you, heard you uh, after I saw you as produced by yeah. Dark Soul at the time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why did you like... Why did you choose that part of the production process? Like, you could be Michael Jackson or you could be Quincy Jones and it feels like that's much more of a producer's place that you're picking. Because, bro, bro, rapping and singing was never my forte. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I never, I never wanted to be a singer and I never wanted to be a rapper. It's just that at the time... You know when you're a kid, everyone's rapping. You just want to bust one, two freestyles in the playground, like... I yeah. met Sam because he was grime, he was doing grime, he was he was spitting, he was emceeing. Yeah. I didn't MC. I just didn't uh, so the fact that he was emceeing, I just wanted to prove a point that I could do it as well. Then I found out I was actually quite good at it. So I was doing it for a while, but I just didn't have the hunger 
because with being an MC, you got to live the lifestyle. I just didn't, I just didn't have the, I just liked making beats, man. Like, because remember, you got to remember, like at the time, grime music was so powerful at, for us as teenagers. Every every part of London had a certain style. Me coming from South London, I was influenced by South London grime. Mm, yeah. Obviously, Sam coming from, you know... Northwest. West London, Northwest London. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a certain style to it. So we was, when we met, this is around the time um, Screwface and Stimpy were just big. Nutty violins. Big up to Stimpy and big up to Screwface, innit? Yes. But, do you know what I'm saying? These were the, this is the time when... That was the pinnacle of how to make beats. And being a boy coming from South London, going to school in West London, I got influenced by the West London South also. So it was just like, I just want to be everywhere. So coming with that gritty South London grime sound with the whole um, violins, orchestral sound um, grime music, it was just like best of both worlds. So yeah, that's why I just like I need to I, I need to make music because writing a song is great, but when there comes a time where you might not have a producer or or um, an engineer, you're gonna have to do it yourself. And we didn't have money back then. Like we were just kids. Like no one had money. Everyone was broke. I was just travel with five pound in my pocket. I used to go Sam's Chicken when I used to eat meat and use my 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 free oyster card. You vegetarian now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm vegan actually. <laughs> I'm vegan. Yeah. Oh wow, smart. You made that's a big it's lifestyle mad, it's change. Um, this is not what the podcast yeah, is about yeah, at yeah. all. But congratulations. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, brother. Yeah, man. That's that's. In, I feel like everyone I've spoken to, the one synonymous thing, or everyone that's a producer or an engineer, looked past the problem of being a rapper. Like writing bars is easy. Finding someone to record them is hard. Like, finding someone to, like, match your vision with a beat is hard. Like, to some degree, I was the same. Like, I loved writing music. But then I was like, yeah, but who's going to record? Like, mm. who's going to make it so I can mm. hear it on a phone? Because mm. you can't mm. just send a voice note out or to radio, bro. Mm. Like, you got uh, these microphones mm. and shit, and then you get caught in the trap of, once you've bought a studio, yeah. you're a producer now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because of the fact that um, I would go to West London, West Northwest with him a lot. Right. And because he had friends that would MC as well. I, there was a guy, I know his, what's his name now? He's, he does podcasts now, I can't remember his name. I remember, um, his name's OC at the time. I remember, um, I think his name, Omar, I can't remember. But anyways, I used to go to Ryslip a lot. And I used to record with them a lot. And being in that circle, they used to MC, they used to do like, you remember MC and everyone used to do like a 16 bass verse and it used to be like 20 man on one tune. It used to be like 16 yeah, bars, yeah, yeah, eight, yeah, bar, yeah. eight bar, eight bar, eight bar, eight bar, eight bar. And everyone used to call out eight bar anthem. You remember the eight bar anthem? I do <laughs> the remember the eight bar anthem. <laughs> yes. So the eight bar anthems would come out, yeah. And it was just like, okay, they want me to be part of this thing. I'm just like, whatever. Okay, let me you, just You just reminded first. me that that even and, existed. Yeah, bro, bro, that's, listen, the epitome of grime was eight bar anthems. When you used to click on Channel U, you used to get the eight bar anthems, like, and being being a guy from South, that was heavy in South London, like, we had, um, we had one grime tune, oh, was it? Fuck, it was like something about Southside, that's where we're coming from, Southside. It was just like, it was just bare man, just, just eight bars. And then we had um, the P2J project, and it was like, oh, uh, 
Uh, and it had one bit go like, put your hands in the air. I remember this. I, I remember this. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. I've got the same kind of like spotty memory that you have on it. Where I'm like, yeah, these see, noises see, are yeah, noises so that I remember. That, yeah, so it's like it's just the it's just the sonics that it just it just worked at the time, and it's just like everyone was going into that, and then it, that shifted from that to like going into doing radio sets, <laughs> going yeah. into East Acton. I think it was Urban FM at the time, I can't even remember, bro. But, like, just following Sam and going to these things. And he was like, I'm telling you, like, I wasn't a grime kid. Essentially, I didn't come from grime. I just, I just, I just fell into it. And I just happened to be good in it. Sam was the, Sam, for me, is the original grime kid. I was just, like, the shadow of the original. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, nothing you make now. Like, if if you run through your Spotify now, it's, I can... I couldn't tell you that you have a grime history. No, and that's what I... But that's the thing. I think I needed to do that as... I needed to do that. I needed... To, I think grime for me, and I, I always... I will I explain to you why grime's so important as we get deep into this conversation. But grime for me at that time has... Grime overall has helped me. Like, grime, I don't care. I will always have love for grime music. I don't care what anyone says. People can say it's dead. People can say, oh, it's not that... Grime music here has shaped... Everyone, everyone in the UK scene, grime is the reason why they are there to... Even if they didn't make grime music, grime music is the reason why people are where they are today. And you've got, you got, you got to give grime its roses, like 100%. And I think, like I have to bring up Sam, because Sam played, has played a big part in my fucking career. Grime was... Sam was the grime kid. <laughs> Sam was yeah, the yeah, grime yeah. kid. Just, do you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it was, it was yeah, but yeah. Because I remember how much he used to experiment with it as well. Like, really push sounds left, right, and center. And then there were records I mentioned before the podcast. It was like, you were on Beer Goggles, which was right in the middle of grime. It's got nothing to do with it. It was you, Sam, and Courtney Bennett, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, it, it just... Yes. I feel like there, and then I, I distinctly remember when Dark Soul happened. Like, when actually happened, and a much deeper, darker sound came out of you, which was so far from grime there were more ballads involved there was much more strings and orchestral and for me that's when the jordan james sound came to fruition like if you showed me those old mixtapes and then played me what you've got now i'm like yeah sure i see where that happened but Mm. i imagine that so much of what you learned even production wise came from grime like drum programming trust me 100 percent. and i'll tell you why because um Producing at 140 BPM is that just producing at a very fast tempo helps you produce us helps you produce at a slower tempo because everything's double time. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you make something at if you make something at 140, you're gonna be amazing at making something at 70 BPM because it's hard. Do you know what I'm saying? So because of that, it, it just it opened the door for me. The orchestral sound came from. I'm not gonna lie to you. The orchestral sound that I, we and Sam pushed so much. It started because I was just obsessed with classical music at the time, and I just I thought, raw like, and because I don't know if Sam told you this, but because <laughs> I used to be that guy that just had plugins from day. I don't know how I just I'd had yep. sound. Remember this even before plugins, we had sound fonts. Remember sound fonts? <laughs> sound fonts, you know. <laughs> this, oh, is how old school I am. this is how old school. That's before VST. So even yeah, bro. Before VST, bro, we had pl- we had sound fonts, and the thing is with sound fonts, yeah, it was like it was basically like this 
MIDI file that you could change. Bro, and when I was used to make SoundFox, we had we had all the strings. I was like, yo, SoundFox is sounding sick. So it went, whoa. <laughs> it was just it was just mad. And then obviously being coming from that and just giving out sounds, we just it was just because I'm a type of person, when I have something, I just like to give, innit? And I thought, okay, I can't. There's nothing else that I can, not really anything that I could show the people that I was around at the time, producing wise, but I can give you sounds. And I just became the plug. I just became, I was like, okay, I found out what VSTs were. I was like, yo, we're going to learn how to install this. Sh- and we're going <laughs> to, and I'm telling you, I'm not going to, I don't want to incriminate myself. I don't want to incriminate myself, but we found ways. Let's just say we found ways to get full versions, get drum pack, all this stuff, because we was just trying to, we just trying to eat. We was just trying to make music. We was just trying to, we were just trying to create whatever. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't, we didn't care about, oh, you know, who's the biggest this. We were just trying to make stuff. And because of that, we created a sound that that changed that time. And people may not understand that. I mean, may, may, people may think, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, we wasn't big producers. But I'm telling you, within the producer scene at that time, we knew a lot of grime MCs and we knew a lot of grime producers. What, from very well-known, to onto like bait to like even like local level, do you mm. know what I'm saying? So I just I, it was it was perfect. The, the when the whole beer goggle situation happened because of the fact that I was me and I met his I met Emily K's brother. I don't know if, see MySpace. Yeah, my listen. MySpace. If is we the had one. MySpace to if we had MySpace today, the amount of connects I made through MySpace. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just crazy, man. Like, Instagram crazy. just doesn't While hit the same. Talking... No, it don't hit. It don't <laughs> hit, man. It don't hit. It don't hit. It don't hit at all. And it's like, from my space, it's like, I met so many people. I met right. um, Sakana Hudson. I met True Omega. Through Sam, I met Emanike, Emanike's brother. I met um, Trey, 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 who's Trey, uh, Trey, I keep... Trey knows Trey knows who who I'm speaking about. Trey John Maria, that's how you pronounce his name. I'm very bad with names, but he's a big songer right now. He writes for every pop artist in the world right now. But there's a lot of people that yeah. I've met and like that have that have shaped my sound of who I am today. Mm. What is your sound today? Just on a <laughs> Okay, so my sound is today is it's very hard to explain it because I can't say okay yes I make R&B music now because I've always had a love for R&B music but I wouldn't say my genre's R&B what I'm trying to achieve is grime R&B <laughs> that's the sound I'm trying to achieve I'm trying to I'm trying to blend grime music you know someone pitched me uh, R and Drill only two days ago and I was like you fucking what <laughs> bro bro literally I'm not even gonna lie to you R and drill. I can't even put R and drill. But R and B drill music is actually really good if it's done really well. And I've heard a couple yeah. R and B drill records that that I could see singers on that would. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to put. I'm trying because for me, drill is grime music to me. Even though it's drill music to me, it's grime because of the the way the way if you if you make drill music on a production scale, uh, like just m- making drill as a producer you're still using the same elements as grime, like the glide 808. That's a grime thing. Do you know, that's a grime thing. Do you, yeah. know how, do you know how I know that's a grime thing? Because there's a producer from 
Northwest or North London. I can't remember what's his name. Schemes. Schemes are a big producer at the time. I met Schemes years ago, but he used, he used to use glide basses all the time. All the time yeah. in his beats. All the, you know what I'm saying? So, like, drills, I love drill. I don't like the content of drill, but I love the production of drill. Yes. I'm like, I don't necessarily agree with all this craziness you guys are talking about, but damn, you make it sound good. Yeah, no, no, it's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful genre when it's done correctly. Mm. Same with grime music. Grime music is a beautiful genre. Any genre, to be fair, is is a beautiful genre when it's done correctly. It's just that right now in society we are we are talking about things that we're just you know I think we're in such a low vibrational state in society right now we're just pushing out low vibrational lyrics and just saying the maddest thing and kids are like yay this is a mate but it's really not it's really not but yeah it's mad it's yeah. mad it's mad it's just mad so at this point if we go back to your story you've met Sam like so you've been given equipment you've gone through college you've met Sam you're now sitting at 17 18 years old you are in the exiting face of exiting phase of grime phase of grime wow that was difficult to say mm. <laughs> Where did you go? Like, wh- where did, where do you remember being musically, towards the back end of grime, which was essentially where you were twenty twenty one. Uh yeah, I think because obviously my our tra- my transition out of grime came when M and E K got signed. I can't remember. Oh, that was a huge to, deal. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what label. I think it was EMI. I can't remember one of them big labels he got signed to because I remember. When I was, because I produced, I, I did a remix, I produced a remix of Fast Cars and I gave it to his older brother, Bartoven at the time. And I remember him hearing m and on the chorus and it, I was just like, who's this kid? Like, Wait, Bartoven and m and are brothers? Yeah. Mind blown. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't know like, that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the thing, like, I've I've been around I've been around so many like gr- like look, I've been around so many the beginning of things. It's so funny. It's so nice to see people flourish from what they started from. Like yeah. that's why like the story of how I met Emily K because the story of how I met Emily K plays a, an important part as to why I dipped out of <laughs> not I wouldn't say dipped but kind of like stepped out of grime and came back into it when Emily K got signed. Because, um, this is my sis days because when Emily K was doing his pop thing, we made beer goggles and then he was doing it like doing all these tunes and he was like, who's this 14 year old, 13 year old boy or 12 year old? I even can't remember how it was, but 12, 13, whatever, he was making all this, these big boy records, you know? Big boy, big. I'm talking, how you write, how you writing these songs? Like, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're a kid from Southeast London, you come from a Nigerian. Background, you ain't you're not talking to girls like that. You're talking, you're writing deep. I was like, who's this kid? So because yeah. of that, it just it this it was just like so. When he got signed now, and he was like the talk of the uh, the industry at the time within the labels. So many producers wanted to work with him, right? So when so when because of that, me and Sam was like, oh, do you know what? Grimes doing this thing, but it's not really doing this thing. And at the time, I think because we was just like, we just want to get signed. We was just like, yo, it'd be nice to get signed. And da da da. Sam started listening to Stargate, which was the the, the production team behind Neo and Rihanna. Yeah, yeah, I remember his obsession. That came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Sam had the songwriter obsession. 
I became, I was just a producer. So it was like, let's make Soundwave, the team, production team, Soundwave the production team. You do, you do the production, I'll do production and writing. I was like, cool, I'll do production. So when we was doing that, and then the, uh, the whole M&EK phase, it was just like, why don't we just transition into being more commercial? And when we've made enough bank, <laughs> then we will go back into what we started. Yeah. But because obviously over time, I just fell in love with the whole production side of just like songwriting and being in the studio with an artist, that grime didn't fit that. Because grime very... I look at grime as you make the beat, you go into the booth, you spit your bars or you go on a set and you just let all your anger out and you go, bam! Whereas... <laughs> <laughs> that's, it. that's all grinds you. No, for. but it's true. No, obviously, they obviously at that time that's what it was. So yeah, I'm trying to progress. So I'm trying to understand what contemporary pop is. I'm trying to understand the process of how to write a song. I'm trying to understand the process of why do you, why are you mixing that vocal like that, and why is the production like this? Like, all these little things. Why wasn't getting from Grammys at the time because we were still all, everyone was young. So we was trying to be in the we were trying to be big boys at a young age. So that's why I transitioned. And right. um, then I realised that it just wasn't meant for me. <laughs> it just wasn't meant for me. But yeah. How come? Um, I just felt... Okay, okay. Because at that time, I can't remember the year. It was, it was early 2000s or mid 2000s. But yeah, it was early 2000s. Um, pop music at the time was just very... It was very like... It was very... It was good, but it was kind of, it had a very cheesy element to it. And this is around the time, this is around the time like N-dubs and, and like Oopsie Daisy by Chipmunk and that, or the Chipmunks mm. yeah. and the N-dubs and that, and the, all those people. And the sound, there was a particular sound, like the Fraser T. Smiths and the, that very like Van, yes. Vanguardy, you, you, like, I'm, this is like nostalgia to me right now. Cause I'm like, I have, like every sound has a certain area. I'm like, yo, like, okay, yeah. this was a certain the problem that I think. Yet, with so much of the music that like evolved back then, like I think me and Sam were talking about this in the context of both you and even Courtney and even some of the like some of the artists that exist in the time. Think take you, for example. I don't know if this is a fair comparison. I always pronounce it six lakh, but I know full well it's black. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. the music you were making. That was the style. But it's only popular now. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what, yeah. You know what? You're so right. You're so right. And you're so right. And this is why I think me, me, my biggest problem for me, and I think it's for Sam also, I can't, I, he may disagree, but I think the biggest problem for the both of us that the fact that we were so ahead of our time that we was lost because we was making so, we was making so much stuff out of the box yeah. that now people are making it now. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everything that we was making back then, things are now, think it's now acceptable now and it's like, I've been and done that. I'm trying to find the next thing. I'm just trying to do the next thing. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what the next what the next thrill is for me. Because I can't my problem is I can't stick. I can't stick to when I'm producing as a producer, I can't stick to one genre. Because I get I feel like I get bored and I'm like, okay, okay, cool, this is great. I need to push myself. That's why right. like I said to you, listening to Purple Rain as a child messed me up because it's like 
I'm trying to get to that masterpiece level. I'm trying to get to that timeless level. And what I'm making right now is not timeless to me. Maybe timeless to everyone else around me, but in my head, it's not timeless. It doesn't give me that cinematic... It doesn't give me the cinematic feel <laughs> that I'm trying to find. And I felt like... That's why... Now it's like, okay, cool. Now I know, I know what I need. I know what I'm making. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know, I know what, what mistakes that I've, that, that work. I know, I know my mistakes now. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I know that if I do this, it's going to affect this type of people. If I do that, it's going to affect these type of people. Do you know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah. Yeah, it was just, it's just, it's, yeah, bro, like, production for me, it's just been a mad, it's just been a mad journey, and I feel like from when I started till now has just been, I've just been in a timetable with Vegeta, and I've just been swinging it out with just Vegeta and vocal, and now I'm just ready to just, I've like Super Saiyan, I'm at like Super Saiyan yeah. 5 now, and I'm just like ready to just go ham on everyone, do you know what I'm saying? And I think I needed it, I think, I think... Anxiety did play a part of the why I where I play, did play a part as to why I'm at where I'm at now. But it's also been a blessing because mm. of the fact that I've watched people around me make the mistakes and I've watched my mistakes that I've made and now that I can take whatever I've learned in those training times in the time chamber, and now I'm ready to just come out openly yeah. as a as an artist. But I didn't want to step into the dojo of music unprepared as a producer. So I got two questions. One, yeah, not sure. Like, what are some of the mistakes that you you have made, and what does it mean to like? At what point did you acknowledge that you need to come to the dojo, as it will, of music at a certain level? Because um, everyone wants to step being, in the studio, not acknowledging that they don't necessarily belong there yet. No, of course. I think it's the arrogance. I think uh, growing up, growing up in a teenage, and you're like, people like, because think about it. You've, we've, I don't think, have we met before in person? I can't remember. No, I don't think we've met in person. No, so we've never, never met before in person, but we know of each other. I'm yeah. from South London, but you know, you've heard my music before. So it was just like, I think the ego of everyone hearing about me and Sam, I was just like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm not going to lie to you. In my head, I had ego. I was like, I'm the best producer ever. No one's, beat, no one's better than me. No one's better than me. But because of that, when it was time to be a real producer and I didn't know certain things, it showed. And that's, that's why now I said, you know what? All the greatest producers or the greatest musicians or whatever, they're like, they're like in there, they're like past 50, 60 plus. Like you've got Quincy Jones, you've got Rick Rubin. You've got, there's so many people I can put, I can, do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be like that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, yeah, my best my best work was when I was in my twenties. My best work is gonna my best work is gonna probably be when I'm like eighty years old. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Thriller was Thriller was produced when Quincy was like fifty plus. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's mad. It's yeah. just mad. It's mad. It's mad. That's it's crazy because there, there's so much rush, right? You step in a studio with anyone and they're like, we got to make a hit right now. That We've got to make all the money right now. And you're like, I don't think we have the <laughs> life experience. Yeah, no, I like, just think it's issue. just because it's the hunger. I think it's because, obviously, the way society is built plays a part in how you're going to move around. Like, I, didn't, I, I don't come from a rich... I didn't come from a rich family. I didn't come from money. I come from... Right. 
I come from, you know, my mum, you know, worked hard. My dad was working hard. My parents didn't work together, but they were they were both present in my life. But yeah. it's the fact that they were so focused on trying to make sure there was food on the plate that I just had the same hunger too. So it was like, we need to get this bread, bro. Like, we need to get this money. I'm trying to produce for fucking Neo, bro. I'm trying to produce for... That's what I'm saying. That's, that's the goals that we were on. Like, because of that, I, I think... Yeah. Because we were so ahead of, uh, ahead of the game at the time in terms of knowledge, we were just like, yo, we need to do everything. So, so when we met... Yes. So when we met, the day I got humbled was, was the day I met Carl James and Pete Parker. And for those who don't know who they are, they produced uh, Chipmunk's um, um, album, uh, the first proper album, the, the one that had Oopsie Days on it. When I went to that studio, bro... Humbled. 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 I didn't know a thing. I didn't know what the <laughs> I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. It was like, yeah, there was like, yeah, um, they had two studio rooms. I remember, I remember that. There was like, they put, us, they put me and Sam in one studio. It was like, yo, yeah, we're, we're doing demos for Chip's album. Write a demo. I'm sitting there like, what am I doing? I don't know what to do. I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do, bro. Guys looking at me like, let's just make something. We made something, yeah. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. He dropped a little chorus on it. Never, never saw that song again, bro. <laughs> saw... That was the day. That's the day that humbled me. I think that's the day that humbled me. And I thought, okay, this is the level I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to Park, um, Parker and James level. I'm trying to get to that. Me and Sam was so inspired yes. by that. We was trying to. That's all we wanted to do, bro. All we wanted to do. And I thought, this this is going to take time. We can't achieve this at, we can't achieve this at 16, 17, 18. We can't achieve this right now. We can, if we really put our minds to, but it just, it just wasn't the right time. And then, you know, just things happen. Um, yeah, of course. Like, that, that level of, that bro. level is like sustained work, right? Like, it's, you're 20, 28 now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the realistic goal is, like, like you said, I don't think the hits are coming for another 10. The hits can come. Like, you'll get one off in the charts. Like, it hopefully mm. loads in the charts. But the legacy of it, creating Purple Rain, mm. it really is just a, a years of talent and understanding, in my opinion, at least. No, 100%. 100%. And um, kudos and congratulations to those that are doing... Um, a lot now. Like, bro, like, I tell everyone, I'm not, I'm not a hater about no one. I'm, if you meet me in person, I'm like, I'm Mr. Motivator with everyone. I'm like, oh, you got a nine to five and you got a talent? Go and chase your mm. talent first. F your job. That's, that's the type of, that's the type of person I am. So, when I see, when the people that I came up with that I'm seeing win now, I'm so happy because it made me realise that, bro, right, yeah. there's no rush for you. You've got people around you that respect you as an as a musician. You may not be in the limelight, or you may not be like you know, on bloody Instagram with a thousand followers or like ten thousand followers. You may not be like the you know the still bangles and the, and the Savax and the bloody all the all the other good producers out there. Mm. But you're still respected, and that's what I cared about. I cared about the I cared about the music. I cared about the. The fact that artists respect me as a producer other than, oh, we just want to work with you because you look hot on Instagram. Do you get what I'm saying? It, I, that's, what yeah. I, that's what I reach for. I don't care. I don't, listen, bro, like, it, what hitting my age now has made me realise I don't care about the shiny object 
um, kind of the way, uh, kind of way we look at life. Like, oh, this shit shiny, so it means it's good. You can have a you can have a golden apple, it might be rotten inside. Do you know what I'm saying? So for yes, me, yes, yeah, you see what I'm saying. You get it. So it's like for me, I'm like, bro, as long as these artists respect my work as a musician, singer, songwriter, artist, whatever, producer, whatever, I'm cool, bro, because. All it takes for me to do is actually make a song, release it, and go, boom, here you go. That's how easy making music is now. It's just that we put so much, like, pressure on trying to be big next week because we're all trying to eat. It's that we just make... It, we end up making a pile of doo-doo sometimes. And I've been there. I've, tr- I've, tried, I've been there trying to be in the studio and I'm trying to turn out songs, turn out songs, and some of them are a pile of doo-doo, bro. Like, it's just, just how the world... It's just how the world is sometimes. So for me, now I'm just like, okay... Yes, I have to make revenue because we all need to eat. I've got, I've got, I've got a son that I need to feed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to build a legacy for him. So, yeah. in in the case of yeah, trying to make hits, yeah, some yeah, I do want to make hits. Yeah, I do want to make hits. I do want to write songs. I do want to work with a lot of people. I'm, I'm just, I like to be in the background. I like to see my name in the writing credits. I don't care about, uh, you know. Yes. Uh, see what I'm saying? As long as I see my name in Ryan credits, bro, I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, man. I feel the exact same, man. I love what, like, recently I've been working on Abby stuff and I just get, like, mad gas when I just see it in the, the footnotes. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, there I am. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's the, that's the, this is what I'm saying. We got, uh, I think we get lost as artists because we're trying to achieve the impossible sometimes and we forget about the small little mm. things that we, you know, that we should do. And I think, like, just that, the little things, like, for me, when I... Okay, so I used to produce on FL Studio for a long time. And then I transitioned right. to um, Ableton. Just the joy of... When did you, when did you transfer to Ableton? Because that's a weird-ass <laughs> uh, program, man. I know, bro. <laughs> Listen, I tran- trans- transitioned into Ableton, I think, and it'll be two years now. Two years. Because I'm... Oh, bro, okay. Tell- cool, because if you came up... Because I remember Ableton in 2012, and I also remember being so confused with everything that was going on on that screen. Bro, uh, bro, listen, I used to be FL Studio Gang for life. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why right, I transitioned. And... Sorry, sorry to stop you. I'll tell you why I transitioned because of the fact that I've been producing music from the beginning on time on a, sh- on a very, 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 very bad PC and a very, 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 very bad laptop. And what used to happen to me, because I'm stupid, I would never back up my stuff. So every every few years, my I would lose everything. So as a <laughs> gift, to, bro, it, bro, it's mad, it's mad. And as a gift, my dad said, you know what? Here's a MacBook. Here's a MacBook. I'm tired of your laptops breaking. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to fix your laptops and your computers all the time. Because my dad works in IT. So I'm tired of here's a MacBook. You need you want to make beats and you want something. Here's a MacBook. Here you go. And I couldn't get FL, yeah. I couldn't get FL, I couldn't get FL on Mac at that time. I was like, oh, i got to use Ableton. I was yeah. like, I love Logic, but Logic's workflow is too too slow for me. I was like, Pro Tools is great for mixing, but I can't produce on Pro Tools like I wish I could because it looks like Logic to me. What's the next thing? Okay, Ableton. Mm. Clicked on Ableton and I was like, what the right. hell is this confusing stuff? But then it just became easy and I was like, Ableton is basically log- uh, Logic... Pro Tools and FL in one, in one DAW. So, yeah. The idea of learning a new software isn't tough to you, right? Because you did it once. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard. I think as long as you know the basics of, okay, how to record, 
um, what plugin goes with what plugin. How do you know? You, if you know how to mix, bro, you know how to mix, use a uh, uh, software. I think the only problem, I think the only issue people get confused is because people trying to learn the shortcuts on the first day. You ain't gonna learn shortcuts. You need to actually sit there and go, okay, how do I open preferences? Okay, click. Okay. Oh, how do I change the audio settings? Okay. Okay. Cool. How do I change the buffer rate? Okay, cool. And then you start to slowly go through that. You're like, okay, day one's done. Next day. Okay, how do I press record? Like, it's really important to know what you're looking for as well, right? Like, when it comes to mixing or recording, if you don't know what compression is to begin with, you just know it as, oh, that button that comes before the EQ, then you're never going to know what to even search in Ableton. Like, the process of making music doesn't necessarily change. The DAW might. True, 100%. And I think... And this is how I'm gonna look. This is how I look at. Uh, this is how I look at the transition. FL Studio, and I love FL Studios. It's amazing. It's like mm. if you FL Studio is like it's like okay the, the the training the training camp yeah of music yeah. But Ableton's like the boxing match where you actually got a proper mm. throw a punch. You proper got to go ham because if you don't, you're gonna get beaten up like. For me, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was never really, for me, I was never really good at mixing. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. My, I've, had, I've blagged my way through mixing my whole life. I've had, I, I was a studio engineer. I've bla- <laughs> I've bla- bro, <laughs> I'll be, I'm going to be so honest on this podcast. I've blagged my way through mixing. I don't know how, I don't know how, but I've blagged my way through mixing. Ableton now has... Slapped me in my face and said, bro, you don't know how to mix. You don't know how to mix. I had to start from scratch because Ableton doesn't allow... It doesn't. It comes with nothing on the master channel. It comes with nothing. Fruit Loops, you have a limiter. I didn't know what a limiter was at the time. I was like, oh, this sounds good. Okay, turn up the EQR limiter. They're boom, amazing. It sounds amazing. Oh, the limiter just saves you, right? It means it never peaks. But the minute you get rid of it, people just get mixes it full of distortion. You're like, oh. They're, they're, you see what I'm saying? So you, you understand. You understand. You understand. So Ableton for me really yeah. like it really made me learn to mix and really made me learn how to EQ what compression is. I had to really go back to the base. I bro, I was like a kid in a I was like a kid in a school over you, again. You're like, reminding me of things that I had to get punched. Like I remember on on Fruity Loops, you can set up a sidechain compressor like one button done. I haven't ever had the opportunity, like Pro Tools doesn't let me do that. I remember like, wait, well, how do I make this bass dark? Normally I just press sidechain. Then you have to actually learn, a sidechain is a thing. It's an actual process where something is tied to another signal and is activated through a plugin. It's not just right click sidechain. No, it's not, bro. It's not. And that's when I realized I'm in the big boy leagues now. I'm in the big boy game. Yeah. Like, like the fact that you know how to use Pro Tools is amazing because you can step into any studio now and mix any one song because that is that is the go-to DA, DAW when you step into a professional studio. I'm mm. still I'm still learning. I'm still in terms of production, I'm fine. I can tell you how to make a beat in two in, in five minutes. But the mixing, I'm still a baby. I'm still a baby in mixing, you know? Like I'm only now I'm at a stage where I can say, okay, come to my house and record or come to the studio, I will mix you, I could do all that. But bro, it took me a while. It took me a while. It took me a while. And trying to learn mixing with wave plugins as well was like, oh, that was this. I didn't understand anything. But now I'm at stage where I'm like, yo, this is this is pretty it's pretty easier now. It's like, okay, okay, you mm. know, gauge staging, okay, EQ, okay, compression, okay now. 
Oh, you want to tighten up the vocal again? Put another compressor on. Oh, you can add another EQ just to bring out the high. Like, things I didn't understand. And the thing, and the thing is, the maddest yeah. thing is, I actually went to college to learn, learn music technology. <laughs> and they were teaching us, yeah. they were teaching us this thing, but because, like I said, ignorance and ego play such a big part in my in my in come in my come up story that I just thought I was a shit. I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Majority, because of the praises I was getting for production, I didn't care, I didn't care, I didn't care about the little minute stuff. I used to be like, oh engineering, well, like, you know, how could like, you tell like, me what to do? I already know how to do, like uh, I'm already yeah, making good yeah, music. Why bro, would I listen to you? Yeah, bro. Like I'm I can I can put my hand on my heart and say, bro, like, yes, I had an ego. My ego was terrible at the time. And it didn't help because of the fact that I was making beats and pe- I would get instant, like, good reactions. It's just like, yeah. So you kind of get lost in this bubble of your the And it's when life didn't go to plan and I started, started, started hitting, um, started making certain life mistakes. It's like, yo, like, okay, I'm not actually the shit. I'm actually not. Um, I have to humble myself. I have to... I have to get rid of. I have to get rid of the old me and start fresh again. Yeah. So that, that's why I changed changed my uh, the way I think, my diet, everything. I had to like re. I just had to just change everything. So I feel like the reason why I'm so the reason why I don't care about um, age and production because I feel like that that little seven year old that opened EJ for the first time is learning how to put loops on top of a beat. That's how I feel. That's the feeling I have now. And it's that I feel like now I'm at that age where, okay, I'm, I'm a lot older, but I feel like production-wise, I feel like a kid. So I'm like, this feels like when I first found grime and I'm like, oh shit, I'm not to make grime. Oh, I'm learning how to make grime. Oh my God, I'm putting these beats. Oh my God, oh my God. Yes, I mean, these new people. Oh my God. That's how I feel. Yeah. That's the feeling I have now. So yeah, it's mad. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. The minute you ignore the industry, you realize seven-year-old Jordan James did not have a plan to become great by 30. You just had no, a plan to become no, great. No, 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 no. I didn't have no plan. I didn't have no plan at all. So you said like, okay, so you don't feel that comfortable mixing, but you could make a beat in five minutes. What's your process on actually producing? Like, where do you start? Um, what the process of making the tune? Yeah. Well, it, um, okay. So when I did first, when I was, when I used to, okay, cause my, my angle has changed when I, now I use Ableton. I think before when I used to make beats, I used to just used to play make a melody first and then do the drums on top of the melody. Uh which was easy for me because you know, grime music at that time you really had to if you really want to make a hit, you really gotta focus on the melodies and how the drums hit with the melodies and but now I'm just like, okay, I've got to manually make the drums because of the fact that it doesn't have I don't have a drum, I don't have a sequencer on Ableton. There's no sequencer on any other you know, any any other software. So I have to really figure about how I'm going to get the rhythm right. So now I just focus on drum, get the rhythm proper, and, and then I um, start melodies. I do melodies as well. So you got, you, you got rhythm first. And then melodies. Do you ever go back and change the rhythm? Like, like if the oh, rhythm yeah, is no, wrong... Oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. 100%, 100%. Bro, I'm not even going to lie to you, yeah? I've simplified my, produ- my the way I produce now. My my the way I used to produce back then was so more c- complex than it is now, bro. I don't even I barely use plugins. I barely use like VSTs, bro. Like I get like one shot samples and I stretch them out and then I play them like melodies, like literally. Like I've made beats with just vocal. Like I've literally got clips of like people's vocals and I've made beats from them because the fact that 
I'm just trying to think outside of the box all the time. I don't even, sometimes I don't even like composing like a normal composer. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I heard someone go, yay! All right, cool, what's that? Let me take that. Let me stretch that out. Let me go, yay! Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. you, make, you end up making something crazy. Like, How is your music theory, by the way? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> no. My okay. theory, yeah. <laughs> the laugh on that one. <laughs> like, bro, um, listen, I'll tell you this now. I know the keys. I know what keys are. Okay. I know what notes, but if you ask me, yo, go play the piano right now. <laughs> you just hear crickets. Go and play an instrument. Right. Go hear you. crickets, but... If you ask me to recreate something, I will find a way to recreate whatever you want me to recreate. Do you know what I'm saying? My instrument is my PC. I'm a comp- my instrument is the laptop. I what I'm a I'm a I'm a com- I'm a laptop player. Just call me that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever wanted to learn an instrument? Like, do you feel like it would benefit you? Of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. But what hurts is the fact that I wish I learned when I was younger because I had so much free time. But now that I'm old and I've got responsibilities and, and you know, adulting, as I like to say, um, I don't yeah. have the, the, the time because it's just like, ah. Uh... For me, to learn an instrument, I have to really slow everything else down, have nothing else to do and sit down and be like, okay, this is it. I have to start from scratch. And I don't feel like I'm ready yet to <laughs> I am ready to learn but I don't feel like I'm at a space yet where I can just sit down and not do anything and just focus on one thing because I've got so many like like you say you an engineer I engineer songs I write for people I produce I write for myself I've got so many other things I need to f- mm. finish that I never find the time to do it so yeah how long does it take you to get a song finished start to end um it depends like I wrote a song I have a song out called City Girl Blues that I wrote nearly four years ago. Yeah. In, in Sweden. Whoa. And it took, you said, whoa, what happened? Oh, I was like four years ago because I wrote oh, that yeah, came yeah, out in yeah, 2019. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Um, four years, nearly four years ago, yeah. No, because basically, like, it's been, it's been mad. <laughs> Bro, oh, there's so much stuff I want to tell you, but there's a lot I have to tell you off camera in it. But um, yeah, no. Um, so from 2011 to yeah. 2015 16 yeah i was like i'm just going to be an artist i'm just going to write i'm just going to write songs i was like the rap thing's cool but i'm just going to write songs have you always been able to sing or you learn bro <laughs> bro 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 and um, bro so basically 2011 i released a mixtape i remember because i was in college and i remember it because of the fact that I didn't do really well in school, so I had to spend... I had to do four years of college. I can't believe I'm admitting this online, but fuck it, I don't care. Um, so, <laughs> I, I didn't leave college. So, imagine, when everyone's gone to uni and finished uni, I've just now started uni. So, I remember 2011, I was rapping because I was in college and everyone was rapping and I had to do a project. So, I made this project called Cheeky... I'm not a Cheeky Bastard. It's called Cheeky Bastard. And um, I had four... I had a couple rap songs in there and I had this one R&B song on there. And I remember writing the song because I went I previously went to a studio session with a producer. I think it was Delio, Delio Lima, who used to be called, 
remember. Oh my up. god, I for completely forgot about. Wow, I I forgot he existed. <laughs> bro, what bro, a phenomenal he, producer. Bro, bro, he's doing a lot right now. I just feel that way. he's doing a lot right now. He was um after that after two thousand nine. Remember, I think it's around when Plan B. You know the artist Plan B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was big. Remember, he was doing that. Oh, what was that? He did us. He did that song with Rudimental. He did it, Charmaine. And then, then after he like he came back. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, when he did the comeback, when he did the comeback, the song that went on Harry Brown. Yeah, yeah. So around that around that time, I think yeah. I think Delio and one other guy that he was production team with, because everyone was just doing production team at the time. It's the only way to get by. You couldn't you couldn't get by as a one producer. You could if you knew like all the big big like artists, but at then like you just whatever. So um, yeah, I remember they. I think they were working on. I think they were working on Plan B's new album because of Faith Has Effects. They had that link there. But anyway, yeah, yeah, so yeah, from Delio. So me and Delio had a session in 2011 with a random artist. And um, we was writing a song. And I was like, we wrote the song together. We was writing a song together. And I was like, yo, this lyric sounds, this lyric sounds sick. I was like, cool. Never happened, nothing happened to the song. So one day my friend heard, I got a producer friend that lives literally across the river from me now. Um, called Heard of Him. He'll come into the... He'll, I'll explain who he is deep into this conversation, but um, Heard of Him sent me this beat. And I was like, what's this? This beat sounds fire. It was just basically sample chop, but the beat... The way he samples, uh, he can, no one's can sample like this man, but he sent me this beat and I was like, let me... I was like, I was like, start singing the lyrics. I was like, oh, this is all right. This is all right, you know. Let me sing it. I recorded the song. i never forget. I recorded the song. I recorded the song. <laughs> Released it. And it got put on a blog, some random blog, yeah? It was quite a big blog. This is around the time when blogs were big. Like, everyone was like, you need to be put on a blog if you want to blow up. So all of, this is when the blogs came on this big blog and it just got re- It just got, it just, bare views, bare views, bare views, bare views, bare views. I was like, no, I'm going to become a singer. I'm going to become a singer. I have to. And then I did, then I did a You a never drummer. worried about what people would say about your voice? Nah, bro. What, what's there to worry about? Like, I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. Only reason why I started singing because of the fact that me and Courtney Bennett um, at the time stopped working with each other because she had uh, she she got she was managed by someone and then she was traveling back and forth. So we never our paths never really got time to cross. So I was like, I need the singer. So I was like, okay, let me just hit. I was like, okay, let me try and hit a few notes. I couldn't really sing. I used to sing when I was younger, but it wasn't nothing special. And I was like, okay, cool. I yeah. was I was terrible. I was terrible. Terrible, bro. I was like, it is what it is. I'm not here to become a singer. But then when that song got blogged and then it started traveling and people started to find out who this guy ended up making another song. And it, I was still rapping then. So I made another song. I can't remember what it was called. It was like a drum and bass song. Mm. I, I remember rapping on the end of it. And it got, it got, I remember it got played on, I remember it got played on BBC One Extra, I think, randomly. And I was like, okay. People actually like me as a singer. I actually got to continue this now. And then from that, I was just churning. So right. from two, after that, 2012, when I hit uni, I was like, nah, bro. I'm churning out songs to the cows come home. I, listen, <laughs> I was like, I got, this is the first time. It's like, I went to uni in Portsmouth. This is the first time I live by myself. I got my own room. This is coming from the days when I used to share with my brother. Like, 
I'm recording. I was like, yo, I got this dude. I, I bought the really cheap microphone that I still have to this day. <laughs> that that, that yeah, microphone yeah, ain't, yeah. Ain't, ain't never leaving. So I was like, yeah, man, from 2011 to 2015, I was just, no, 2011 to 2016, I was just writing, writing, writing. And then I was meeting people and then getting introduced to other producers. And I was just writing, 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 writing. And I met um, my good friend called, uh, good friend Frederick, who's from Sweden. And he was, he's part of a production team called Some Comfort. And I remember they asked me to write mm. a song for them. And then from there, we just built a uh, relationship. He was like, yo, I want you to come to Sweden. I was like, what? Sweden? I've never been to Sweden before. He's like, yeah, I'll pay for your flight. Come. I was like, what? Okay. Came to Sweden, made City Girl Blues. I was like, okay. Oh, this sounds sick. Never touched it again. Continue on, continue on writing. Um, while I was in uni, I, we formula- I formulated a group from my college friends, um, some group called House of Suede. I was writing for them, doing big, we was doing all right at the time. A lot of good, a lot of good producers in that. Oh, <laughs> it's mad. But yeah, now from then we was just writing and then I kind of lost a love for singing. After, after I left college, after I left uni and coming back into the real world and, ha- real world and having to um, work and that, I was just like, I just kind of fell out of love for music. I don't know why, it just, I think that, I think so much crazy stuff happened at the end of uni and come back to London. I just needed a break. Life, life happens. Life, huh? Bro, life, life is a crazy thing. I love life, but life, yeah. when life wants to humble you, humble you, bro. <laughs> it doesn't do so quietly. Mm-mm. So did you, did you ever put any time into learning how to sing? Like while you were in the middle of it, even before you've, you've kind of yeah, stepped out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever take singing? Yeah, I've got, no, I, didn't, I never took any singing lessons, but I did try and practice. I did, I did find myself going on um, like uh, YouTube and, you know, l- learning vocal exercises, but I just thought, mm. you know what? I, I, over a while, I was like, I'm not trying to be a singer, bro. Like, I'm not trying to be some big boy singer. I can't hit notes like everyone. I'm not trying to riff like a madman. I think the unique, the thing, the beauty of my voice is the fact that I'm not a great singer. So because of that, right. it cre- I created my own sound. I created my own style. And what solidified that for me is when Subtract came out, uh, that group Subtract came out with um, Subtract and Sampha. And hearing Sampha's voice and hearing how imperfectly perfect it is, I was like, yes. Do you get it? So it's like, I don't need to look, yeah. well, I don't need to be perfect, bro. Like, I've got people like the Samphas and and, uh, um, and the Spaz Rockets and all these other artists and the Janea Ecos and the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lane for this style of singing. I was like, let me just stay in this lane. And then over time, I was just like, yo, this is it. I think over time, you, you get better. <laughs> You get better because you're singing more. You, I was doing, I was doing like little sets and shows, and you just get better over time. And it's just like people. I was like, I used to be, I used to be dumbfounded. I used to be so dumbfounded by the fact that people used to like my voice. I was like, you like this? What? Nah, man. This is yeah, 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 yeah. It's mad. It's mad. I think what's crazy to me about like production's one thing, but the, the massive misconception that singing is a talent. Like, there, there of course is some talent to it. Like mm. the tone of your voice, you can't necessarily change, but mm. you can learn to hold a note. No, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's a skill, like everything else. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You have to. You have so to. What do you learn. see yourself doing next? Um, me. Uh, my next goal. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm coming back as an artist. <laughs> I'm coming back. 
Um, okay. After after having my son in 2017, because yeah, so when I 2016 I stopped, and then I I had my and then 2017 my son, I said okay cool, I'm gonna take three years to just be a dad. I'm not gonna produce. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna be a father because I just want to be a dad. The love for music just kept coming back to me. It's like I find myself singing in the kitchen. I'll be singing while making a bottle. I'll be singing, doing this, writing lyrics in my head. That's like, bro. It's like I can't escape it. And then I'd be making a couple. Then I started making songs from like 2018, 2019. I came back and started making songs because I got big over SoundCloud. I mean, I got yeah. quite big over SoundCloud from from when I started till 2016. I was like, yo, like, why why did I let this go? Like, why did I let this go? Why did I let life defeat me in a way where I didn't want to do it anymore? So I was like, no, I need to do this. And then, right. That and then the transition from SoundCloud to Spotify. And me just dabbing, I was like, yeah. you know what, okay, let me, I was like, this is, I, I can't escape it, let me just do this. I'm not going to treat it as like I'm trying to be an artist, but I'm just going to treat it as this is therapy for me, this is me letting out my thoughts, my feelings or whatever. If anything happens, what happens? But as a producer, yeah. that's my producer, is to write and produce for everyone, if I can. But as, a, as an artist, that's just, that's just personal, it's just a personal thing for me. I'm not trying to. That's ch- for you. Yeah, it's for me. Writing songs is for me, but writing songs for other people and producing for other people that's that's like that's the that's the bread but that's the bread and butter for me. If you could do, there are a lot of musicians coming in, coming up, popping up, like especially in this. Like, if you could, if you had some advice for thirteen-year-old you, fourteen-year-old you, fifteen-year-old you, what would it be? Don't follow trends; they die out. Simple. That's it. Don't follow trends and don't worry about what people say. Do not listen to anyone else's opinion unless it's from a, a, a person with experience, aka <laughs> someone that actually gives a, cares about your, your, your craft. But anything else, don't let the outside noise fade, stop you from your goal. Like, don't. I wish, I wish back then I didn't listen to anyone in a, and, I, and I didn't but I mean I didn't listen to anyone in a sense of let people sway my sound I wish I just stuck to what I was doing because it would have put me personally I think I would have been in a better uh, mindset in terms of being a producer but then again going through what I'm going what I've been through has shaped me for who I am now and that's, it's great. So I would tell the younger me or anyone that wants to come into the game, don't rush. Take your time. It's not a 100-meter race. It's a marathon. Just take your time. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to meet some people that are here to help you and you're going to meet some people that pretend they want to help you. Like, if, you, if, you, if, if I was to sit here and tell me how many times label people have promised me the world... <laughs> We'd be, we'd, be, we'd be cracking up. Do you know what I'm saying? So I would say just... <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Bro, I remember that time when I just started... That makes sense. I remember that time I first started singing and obviously the blog thing happened and then I think this is around where a lot of the Luik Essians and uh, Marcus Saris and uh, Jay Warners were just big. They're coming up. They're like, all, like these are the, the main singers. And, yes. And this guy was like, yeah, man... 
Come to Sony, bro. We'll do this. We'll make you. We'll do this for you. You'll be big like this. I was like, sitting there, I go, okay, cool. Didn't hear. I was like, bro, you're chatting. You're just chatting, man. Nothing came to it. Nothing came from it. I like, a lot of these people love to just. Just on a side note, the number of times that someone has gassed me up using the word specifically Sony is uncountable. I don't know what it is with people and just name dropping. Oh, we should go to so never Universal. <laughs> no, no, bro. Do you know what the maddest thing? Is? I think it's, I think, the label obviously the way. Okay, labels back then for us was like was like a dream factory. It's like once you've been signed to labels, like everything's the doors open. But the game's changed now. Like I don't feel like we knew what it meant. No, like, we you, didn't. What does the word label even mean? What is, What does it actually mean? What does it actually mean? But you just, you get side because you see all your favourite artists that you listen to, all the favourite producers are producing with these people and they work with these people. They, you're, they're signed to this and be like, we want to be a part of that. So they, they, they see you when you're young and they pray and you're like, yes! <laughs> Come to us! Come to us. And then you get older, you're like, okay, I get it now. I get, I get it now. I get it now. I understand the industry now. I understand the industry now. I I understand it to a T, and I, I'm happy that I took all the blows I did from the time I started till now. Because now, as I'm older, I can step into this game with knowledge, so I don't make the mistakes like every, like a lot of people have. I don't, I'm not trying to make mm. the mistakes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to have my own label. I'm trying to sign to myself. <laughs> I'm not trying to sign to no one. So that takes time. You can't, you can't think like you can be an overnight success. In, in a year or two, that, that that might take 20 years from now. Like, all your favourite artists, rappers are, like, in there, they're, like, 35 plus. Well, Kanye West is one... Yeah. Of, Kanye West is one that was... what is one of my favourite artists. The fact, the fact he says crazy stuff, he's, like, he's, like, 40 plus. Do you know what I'm saying? One of the best rappers in the world is 40 plus. All your favourite artists that you think look young, are, they're older than who they are, so... Don't be phased by the glitz and glam. All the all the artists that are all popping now. Just wait and see what happens in five years. Some will win and some will not. Just be patient in the game, and that's what I would ask to tell everyone: be patient in the game, focus on yourself, and just keep searching for inspiration and find things that you know inspire you. Right now, for me, indie music is inspiring me. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna try and take that sound and put it in whatever I'm doing and see how it works. And that's all you need to do. Grow and expand. Forget about outside noise. Grow and expand and be inspired by the things around you and you will be happy. Mad. Dude, I feel like that's all I had to ask. <laughs> Thank you for your time. No worries, bro. No worries, man. It's a ble- it's, it's, you know what? Like, um, it's a blessing that you've asked me to come on here because in my head... I am nothing, I am nobody, I am just a soul living on this earth, just trying to create. Obviously, now that we've met properly, face to face, even though it's been on the internet, <laughs> we are, I'm, I'm gonna say we're gonna have probably a very long, lifelong relationship of, uh, you know, ideas and creating, man. And definitely, I would love to learn how to mix from you, bro, because you, like you look like the goat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal, fine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Arjun. Thank you so much, man. Oh, my God.